I said, can I, I just want to give you an example to start out with that comes from when I lived on a farm. Now, some of you may never have lived on a farm. I have to tell you, I lived on a farm as a child, but I was not the daughter of a farmer. My dad was from South Africa, and so he did not know anything about farming, okay, at all. And so then he decided that it would be a really cool thing, something that he'd always wanted to do, to buy a farm. And so that's what we did. And of course, our very first winter was like the blizzard of no return uh, that year. So we had this old farmhouse that only had a, a furnace, you know, wood furnace. And we had not cut down any trees to keep that wood furnace going in the middle of that storm. So I'm just letting you know, I am not talking as somebody that is really a farmer, okay? So just so you have that understanding. But what I would like to talk to you about are how that, um, the example I wanna give you is how cows chew cud. You're gonna be like, what in the world is that? <laughs> so what, what is cow, what, how do they chew cud? Basically, all it boils down to is they eat some grass and grain, and then they throw it up and eat it again. That's what it boils down to. <laughs> all right. But there is a reason they do this, okay? Because as they are chewing, and, you know, they can do this eight hours a day. Just, they just keep chewing and chewing and chewing their food over and over and over. And, you know, as they are doing that, uh, they are helping the food to be able to be digested. If they do not chew their cud, uh, then what can happen is they will not necessarily have as much milk that they produce. And so it is actually a very important thing for them to go through this entire process. Well, as I was thinking about what I'm going to speak on tonight, that illustration came to me. <laughs> and so I just thought, oh, I'll use that. <laughs> so, you know, Jim's been talking a lot about meditating on the Word of God, about renewing our minds. And, you know, it is something that we can sometimes think is a very difficult thing to do. And yet, you know, a cow, they just chew and chew and chew. Don't even make a big deal out of it. They just keep chewing and chewing. You just think, you know, you watch a cow, you go by them, you, they're sitting, they're resting under a tree, and they're chewing. And you know, so for us, what does that look like for us as we're meditating on the Word of God? Well, a lot of times what it is, is it's just thinking about things that God is putting in our heart, just going over it, just thinking about it, making those things come back to our remembrance throughout the day, throughout the evening, through, when you wake up in the morning, when you're taking your shower, you're singing about it. There's a lot of different ways that we can meditate on the Word of God. There's ways such as reading your Bible. That's, you know, how you actually are doing the eating, is you're reading the Word for yourself. You're finding out what does God say. If you're looking for a word from God, you can maybe go to a church service and a minister say something to you. 
But the best way is to get it from the word yourself because he will speak to you every single day through his word. And so that's how we eat the word. But then, you know, we can listen to sermons. That sometimes is like chewing your cud, you know. <laughs> You've got that. You can be singing songs that are based on the word, just kind of meditating on it that way. Sometimes, um, well, not sometimes. We actually have a bunch of scriptures that we have on our bathroom mirror, just the way that our room is set up, our mirror, it's pretty big, and so we have the edges lined up with, um, with scriptures. And so just looking at those, sometimes as you're getting ready in the morning, as you're blow-drying your hair, whatever you do to get ready, sometimes you, that is a way to chew your cud. Just keep, it's not a different scripture than the day before, it's the same thing, but you're meditating on it over and over. Uh, sometimes you can meditate by, you know, if you take uh, notes when you're listening to a sermon, you can review those notes. Or maybe when you're um, doing your devotions, you write things down that stand out to you, and then you review those notes. That's kind of like chewing your cud. And so all those things that we are doing is to keep our minds on the fact of who God is and keeping us centered on that. And so today, I, there's a couple things that I would like for us to meditate on specifically. And the one thing is who God is. I mean, you can meditate on who God is forever and still not know in entirety everything about God. The, the Bible says that if um, they had written all the things of Jesus's works in the New Testament, there wasn't room enough for it. There's so much about God that our brain can't even fathom. There's no way we're going to have full understanding of that. So as you begin to meditate on who he is, it allows you to start re realizing the power that he is, the, the creator. You begin to realize everything that's about him. We'll go into that in a little more detail in a minute. But then we can also meditate tonight on the fact that he has given us the victory. He, he has paid for it. It's a done deal. He has caused us to triumph as Christians. When we follow after him, it is taken care of. And I think sometimes when we live daily life, just going through the motions of, you know, you get up, you got to eat, you got to exercise, you have to clean up after yourself, make your bed, do all the different things that come to life, go to work, uh, just that daily um, stuff that is repetitive, sometimes it's easy to not be able to focus on who God is. You begin to realize, okay, this happened at work, and then that begins to go through your mind. Or this person said this, and then, you know, you're starting to be, well, what did they really mean by when they said that, you know? And you, your brain just starts focusing on all these different things and begins to drift from who God is and the fact that he's given you the victory. And so that's why we meditate, just to keep, okay, Come back here. This is what my focus is. So let's talk a little bit more of who God is. God is the creator of the universe. He is the 
one that made everything cool that is on earth. You know, he created the mountains, he created the trees, he created the flowers, he created the oceans, he created everything that we come in contact with. That, and, and he did it very, very well. He did it amazingly. He created all the laws that we come up with. You know, like the law of gravity? That's just an explanation of how he created things. You know, you, we have science, we have physics, we have math, we have all these things trying to explain how things work that God created. And on a side note, sometimes people that are studying all those things will begin to drift away from the fact that it's God that created it. And then they can get a little bit like, you know, uh, prideful in thinking that there is no God <laughs> and that they're so smart, that they've gotten so smart that they've come to the realization that there isn't God. But the Bible says that God is the beginning of knowledge. Without him, you cannot have knowledge. And so everything that we are finding out about is something that he has made, he has uh, designed, he has handcrafted. And you know, he also um, didn't make things dull, you know? He could have made everything one color or black and white. He could have just kind of stopped there. But he created this earth for our pleasure. He wanted us to enjoy it. He wanted us to be reminded that there was a God that created it. So everywhere we look, when we look up the sky, the stars, or when we look and we see the clouds, or we go to the ocean and you just see that it never ends. When you're out there, you can't see the other land that's on the other side of the ocean. You're just, all you see is ocean. And it's awesome, all those things that he did for our pleasure. And, you know, even uh, snowflakes. The fact that there's no, you can't even wrap your mind around the fact that no snowflake is alike. You know, I try to sometimes think that through because here we get a lot of snow. <laughs> and it's not even close to what Buffalo, New York gets. And the fact that all that snow and none of it's alike, that's kind of a hard thing to wrap my mind around. I, I kind of have to admit, that's like, how does that, how can that work? Surely there's something. But you can look at families and you would think, okay, they have the same parents, they're going to be, you know, similar or the same, and then you have kids and you're like, none of them are the same. <laughs> and they don't even like, they have some similarities where they kind of look like you, but they don't fully look like you. And then you've got identical twins, and you're like, oh, even twins are different. They're not the same, you know? They have different personalities. God was so creative. He went and made everything slightly different. And all of that was for our pleasure, for our enjoyment. That is who God is. And then if you look at Psalm 8, 4, you know, uh, it, it talks about Psalms. It, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You know, when you think of who God is and how big he is and how majestic he is, and yet he is taking time to think about you as an individual. It's, 
it can, again, just something that's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around, that he is that interested in me. And there's like 7 million people on earth, and yet he's interested in every single one of them. And you're like, how, how can he, you know, there's just some things about God that is, you can spend a lot of time and still not be able to fully understand. But we meditate on that. We begin to remind ourselves of who he is and how big he is and the fact that we're on his team. You know, that is huge. You're not like on the team. You, you know, there's different athletes that are just amazing and you're like, boy, if I could play on their team, maybe I'd have a chance. And then you're like, okay, but I don't have any skill in that area, so it's probably not going to happen. So, but this is one of those things where we, our skill doesn't even come close to God's. <laughs> and yet we're on his team. And he makes us do great and mighty things because he's on our team. And he has that abil ability to carry us through this life and cause us to do great and wonderful things through him. And so with his power and his majesty and his might with us, he can take our lives in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our frailty, in spite of our sinful condition. <laughs> you know, he can take that and turn it around. That's what Jesus did for us. The fact that he sent his son, God sent his son to die for us and to shed his blood for us and then to be resurrected and to defeat death, to defeat all the things that come against us. He has paid that price. Again, if you spend some time meditating on that, you can spend days and days, months, years, and still not fully grasp how that changed your life. You know, you go and you're brushing your teeth and you're going through the day and, you know, you begin to drift away from that thought. Boy, but if we lived life understanding that power that was uh, given to us, he took all of our weakness and in turn exchanged it with his power. He put the greater one in us. If we look... You know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, you learn that scripture as a child. But it is easy to put it on the back burner as you're going throughout life, you know? You forget, oh, that was the price. God thought so much of me that he did that for me. You know, if we can meditate on that, even if that's the only scripture that we know, meditating on that, on that idea, on that thought, can change our world. When you realize the price that was paid for you, the price that was paid for me, uh, that price was enough to turn our lives completely around. That price... If we look at Colossians 1.13, that price, he delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So he took us out of the dominion of the devil. He took us out of that 
And then he put us into his kingdom. He gave us eternal life. He gave us life with, in fellowship continually with him. That is amazing to have the power of God always with you on the inside of you. So he can take all of our mess ups, all of our insecurity, all of our sickness, all of our inadequacies, and with his power, he can go and cause us to do great and mighty things. And that's what the blood of Jesus did for us. You know, in the Old Testament, there were some pretty spectacular things that a few people did throughout the Old Testament. But as a majority, if you didn't have that spirit upon you, you, you didn't necessarily do those kind of works that happened. But because of the blood of Jesus, each and every one of us can continually <laughs> walk and operate in what he has for us. First John 4, 4, it tells us that we are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. As Christians, we have someone greater, that power, that God that created everything, all of that ability is now in us. Again, it's something that is very difficult to fully grasp. You can spend days and days and months and years meditating on that and fully not understand what that means. So let's look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is just a scripture that's been stirring in my heart for a quite a long time, because if I can understand this, boy, I, I would never be worried about anything. I'd just be like, okay, I'm that tree. So let's just read through this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So when we, this scripture, this passage is telling us that when we take our attention towards God and away from evil, away from sin, away from the path that leads to destruction, as we do that, God makes us like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Uh, in, that, in that, that means that we have everything that we need. If you're a tree planted by water, you got the sun, you got the water, you are set. And not only do you have to wonder, you know, if, if you're going to have enough water. You've got plenty of water. It's there all the time. So as we are living for God, we have everything that we, need, that we need. It's not just barely enough. It's not just like, okay, well, you're going to just eke through. You're going to just, you know, you're going to barely cross that finish line. But, you know, that's not how God sees things. That's not how he does things. Instead, he thinks of you and your life and like what he wants to do for you with abundance. He, he's not concerned that you have too much stuff. That's not, he could care less. 
If he was concerned about that, he wouldn't have made heaven with gold as streets. If he was really concerned about that, that would not be something that he's like, oh, no, don't do that, because that's just a little bit too much. If you look at the temple that he told the Israelites to build, you talk about excessive, abundance, I mean detail. There was some pretty cool stuff that God wanted for his people to have as a remembrance, as a glimpse of who he is and of his majesty. And so, no, God's not concerned if we have a lot. It says right, at, right here, whatever that man whose attention is stayed on God does, he will prosper. As we stick closer to him, we will prosper. Let's look at 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So here he's saying in the midst of tri uh, trials, in the midst of tribulations, he's saying that we're going to win. If we're born of God, we overcome. It's, it's the done deal. It, you know, sometimes you can think, because you're in the middle of a cer cer uh, certain situation, can I make it through? Am I going to get through this? And the devil will always tell you no, because he's a deceiver. He will always tell you, not this time. Yes, God helped you in the past, but he's not going to help you this time because he's a deceiver. So if he's giving you those thoughts, then you say, oh, oh, it has to be the opposite. Of course he's coming through for me because you're a liar. And so you, you steer your mind back to, no, he has caused me to overcome. And he will cause you to overcome in spite of what you've done in the past in spite of what uh, the mistakes that you've made even today, God will cause you to overcome because as we uh, change our focus onto him and who he is, we are allowing his might and his ability to walk and to um, help us accomplish the things that he has for us. So we are uh, in, let's look at First John Actually, we, did, we looked at that. Let's look at Romans 8, 37. In the middle of our trials and tribulations, we cannot be defeated. That's not a thing with God. God never loses. He just doesn't. He doesn't think of things as, well, that's going to be a little bit too hard. There's nothing that's too hard for God. There's, that's just not even a mindset that he has. You know, sometimes we can look at situations and think, oh, that's a little bit too hard. At that point, if we stop and meditate on God, get his perspective. You know, it's not too hard for him. So there's times where he's going to be uh, revealing himself. If we will stay close, push into uh, who he is, reminding ourselves, meditating on who he is, we are allowing him the ability to speak to us, to show us, to enlighten our minds, to seeing things with his creativity. He shows us 
how to do this. And he says that uh, we can't be defeated. It's just not an option. If you look at Romans 8, 37, it says, yet in all these things we are made more than conquerors, or we are made, yeah, more than conquerors through him who loved us. He loves us so much that he made us more. You know, I don't know about you, but I like to win. We play board games, and I, I don't like to lose. Sometimes we play cards, too, and I, I just, I'm not going to let you beat me. Now, I have to tell you, I got that from my mom. She, <laughs> she never let us beat her, but we did sometimes. <laughs> no, just joking. But, um, but seriously, I don't, I don't like to lose. I don't think anyone of my kids probably likes to lose either on anything. I mean, they're pretty competitive. And you just, you, you know, so sometime if you get to play a game with us, you'll, you'll see it. And that's all right. That's all right. But that competitiveness was God-given. Because you know what? He doesn't lose. And he doesn't want you to lose. And so if we can take that competitiveness into our everyday life and say, no, I'm, no, I'm not going to lose. No, I am going to win. And no, you're, you're going to play uh, hard, but I'm going to play harder. And I'm going to beat you. You know, and that, that type of thing, that the devil will come at you and try to make you feel like there's no way. There's no hope. Well, you know what? If we take that competitive side that each and every one of us have, no, we are going to win. <laughs> no, just because you said I can't win, that makes me all the more say I am going to win. <laughs> you just wait. You know, you look at, at life that way. God has continually uh, made a way for us to overcome in every single thing. He wants us to overcome you know, he doesn't look at you as a victim. And in our society, we're, we're continually pitting this group of people against that group of people, and, and everybody's a victim. Do you know what? That is of the devil. Do you know why? Because the devil wants you to see yourself defeated. He wants to see yourself as the underdog, as there's no way out, as you just can't get ahead, that life is just too hard, and there's no way that you're going to amount to anything because the system's rigged against you. He wants every single one of us to think like that. And so he's got it, uh, you know, shiny and flashy and all this stuff, and that, oh, this is so cool to think this way. No, it isn't cool. No, you don't want to think you're a victim. God wants us to look at this. We are more than conquerors. He's caused us to have the victory. He's caused us to triumph. Because as we think that way, we are allowing him to work on our, on our behalf and cause things to come to pass in our lives. But when we shrink back, which is what we do when we think we're a victim, you shrink back. You think, oh, there's no hope. There's no way. It just can't work this time. No, it's not. That is deception because that's not how God sees you at all. He has made the way for you to conquer anything that comes against you. This isn't trivial. 
This isn't a TED Talk. This is the power of God. This is the power of God at work in us that's available to each and every one of us that causes us to have the victory. He wants us to win. And he gave all of this supernatural power and ability to back us. You know, I tried to find something, we've got your back, but none of the pictures that came up were really good. But, you know, when you think of here you are, maybe this, you know, smaller person or whatever, and then you think of God and angels and big and mighty, you know, that's at your back. That is how we are to live life is, you know, things are going on around you and you've got all this protection that is over you, watching you, helping you. Angels are out there causing things to come in your path so that you can overcome, causing the clients to come, causing uh, connections to happen, all sorts of different things you know, that we have because we have God on the inside of us. That's the picture he wants us to have of what we really are and who we really are. It's not this meek little person that everybody makes fun of or teases or whatever. That's not how God sees any of us. That's not the plan. He created you, and guess what? He put the talents and the abilities in you. He's the one that put it in there, and then he said, hey, I'm going to help you fulfill. And he's going to magnify those talents and those abilities. It's just awesome. I don't even have to do it all myself. I don't have to figure everything out. I've got God Almighty at my back and all these spiritual, you know, angels helping me and all this stuff happening so that I can be more than a conqueror, so that I can win, so that I can run my race. Because you know what? He has a race for each and every one of us. And it's not trivial. It's not light. It is with purpose that he made each and every one of us. And he doesn't want us to see ourselves as a victim. He doesn't want us to see ourselves as insignificant. He doesn't want us to see ourselves as barely getting by. He wants us to see ourselves the way he sees us. He wants us to see ourselves with the power that he's put in us because then we're going to go out and do great and mighty things. And guess what? There's no reason to be in, comp in competition with anyone else. You know why? Because God is big enough to where we can all succeed and do great and mighty things, and we're not even going to step on each other. There's plenty of work to be done. Who cares that someone else can, you know, sing a little bit more in tune than I can? You know what? Great, you go do your thing. I'm still going to do my thing because there's room enough for God's kingdom for both of us. There's enough room for all of us to succeed, all of us to do great things. We are not limited. I don't have to be concerned that so-and-so's business is great and doing, taking off. My business can still do that. I don't have to be concerned about what other people are doing at all because I have the greater one on the inside and there was a plan and a purpose for my life and 
it's not tied to what somebody else is doing. It's tied to God. And he ordained this from the beginning, before I was even born. He set things in motion before I was even born that I'm supposed to do. And all I'm doing is meditating and thinking of who he is and staying. You know what? I don't want to get off his path. You know, the devil is not someone that I want to live for. He, you know, you've got people that have lived for him and he still makes their life miserable. You know, you've got people that are, you know, famous, maybe because they're so pretty and they still think they're ugly. Is that not crazy? You're like, okay, God, I'm going to have to talk to you about this, but that person got a little bit extra in this department. <laughs> you know, but they're still miserable. You can have people that can sing that are just phenomenal. And they're not using it for God at all. And they're miserable. You know, they've been through 15 husbands or wives, and you're just like, that was not the plan that God had for them at all. So I would not want to go down that path, be on, the, on his team. He's, a, he's mean. I don't want to live for him. I don't want to even, no. It's miserable. I would much rather be on the path with God Almighty, <laughs> doing what he has for me to do. You know, if he's telling me to go into business, then I know it has to succeed because he's got my back, you know? He told me to do it. If he's telling me to sing, then I'm going to sing because you know what? He told me to do so. It's got to be good. It's going to keep getting better. You know, that's just the way that God works. You know, he is like that in every single area that he has put in each of us. He did not put things in for in us so that we flail around, so that we whimper and just like, oh, I don't know, I just want to stay in my house. I don't want to see the world. It's so hard out there. No, he put stuff in us so that we take that anointing and that those giftings that are on the inside of us, and we go and overtake the world. <laughs> we go out and, and affect our world for God. The devil wants us to shrink back. God says, no, go forward. Go, do all that I have caused you to do. There, you know, there's just so much. I have, I didn't even get to everything tonight. 